Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer's Sermon Podcast. The readings appointed for this sermon are from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 58, verse 9b through 14, the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 18 through 29, the gospel according to Luke, chapter 13, verse 10 through 17, and Psalm 103, verse 1 through 8. God grant us serenity to accept the things that we cannot change, courage to change the things that we can, and the wisdom to know the difference in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. By the way, I meant to say during the announcements, but I forgot to say that we have a new organist today. Michael Delphine is joining us as our organist. Such a joy to have you with us. There he is. He looks like that. Thank you. Episcopalians clapping. What a day. Well, Jesus upset people again today. He did it again. And this one's really fascinating. You know, Jesus um, heals someone. And the people there get upset. And we go, God, what's their problem? Jesus didn't do anything really bad. He didn't do anything like, I don't know, change the worship time from 10 to 9. I mean, he wasn't like really tearing the place up. He just healed someone. And they're all upset about it. You know? So we, read, we see this story and we go, what is their problem? And, and we have a tendency when we read anything where, where Jesus puts people to shame. And it even says, Jesus put them to shame. Right? We go like, yeah, they had it coming. You know? We go, of course they did. I love this story, too. I mean, it even says, it says, Jesus put them to shame. Um, and, you know, Jesus does that thing where, where they say something really kind of snarky and cutting. And have you ever had that moment when someone says something to you and you don't have the right response? You're leaving. And as you leave, you go, oh, I should have said that. That, like, never happens to Jesus. More proof of his perfection. He always has the best comebacks. He says the thing you wish you could have said, Right? He, he doesn't think, oh, well, you all untie your oxen, but this person who's been bound by Satan, well, who's going to argue with that? Not fair at all. And they're put to shame. And I'd like to take a little bit of time today to defend the people that Jesus put to shame. Now, I'm still team Jesus all the way, okay? For the record, I think that'll bleed through in this sermon, but in this little moment, I just want to say something about the people who are upset with Jesus. We have a tendency when we hear this story, we see Jesus healing someone, which is beautiful. And we know that people know it's wonderful. And they see something profound and meaningful happen. And we see them, some of them anyway, getting upset. And we say, you know, this is just another case of people majoring in the minors. Can't they just see the beautiful thing happening and get over that little issue of him doing some work on the Sabbath? And that is not fair of us. Their worship on the Sabbath is a defining feature of their lives together. How they worship, how they gather, what it looks like, how they work together, how they worship is one of the defining features of being the people of God. It's not a minor thing. 
Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That's in the Ten Commandments. Heck, it's in the top three. It's not even buried in the back there with the coveting and stuff. It's like right there up front. Don't have other gods before God. Don't make any graven images. And remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And then there are multiple places throughout the Torah where this is expounded upon, illustrated what it means to keep the Sabbath holy. Don't work. Take a day of your life once a week and don't work. We hear it now and we laugh. If not out loud to ourselves, we go, can you imagine? Well, yes. God's people imagined it and in fact lived into it for many, many years. And they use this as a way to define who they are. These are a people who have been taken captive and exiled, enslaved by others, lived under foreign rule, and one of the ways they have held dear to their identity, their sense of self, is by adherence to these commandments that God gave them. God told us, live like this, this is what it looks like to be my people. And no matter where we are, or who's in charge of us, or how oppressed we are, if we can do these things, we will have some sense of self, some sense of identity, some sense of normalcy. That is no small thing. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Don't work. Why does that matter so much? Well, let's be honest about what defines us, our work, all of us. We define ourselves by our accomplishments. And so built into God's commands to us is a very practical way for us to disengage from being defined by our work, by our accomplishments, and to push us into a space of being, allowing ourselves to be defined by our belonging to God. Yeah. That's beautiful. Jesus is messing with that. Jesus, Son of God, messing with the Sabbath. That's how it feels. Because he's doing something that people aren't supposed to do during that time. You go, he's healing someone, Phil. No, I know, I'm with you. I love it. I think it's beautiful. But we want to recognize for a moment that what he's doing is upsetting the way people understand what it means to be together during the Sabbath. He's upsetting their understanding of worship. I think we can appreciate what that would mean for them. This isn't a small thing. And it's funny that we treat it as a small thing. You know, I have to say, as a side note, I think one of the real, true disservices most Christians have done to the faith is not taken the Sabbath day seriously. We actually use these verses like this and go like, well, you used to have to not do anything on, those people used to not have to do anything on the Sabbath, but then Jesus showed up and did some healing on the Sabbath, and now I can take my kids to soccer and do laundry and get the shopping done. It's a really big stretch there, isn't it? From Jesus healing on the Sabbath to us just being like, who needs a day off from anything? But Jesus is doing something powerful here. He's healing someone. This is a big deal, especially to her. How many of us have experienced chronic conditions 
and pain and things we wish would just go away. And then Jesus just shows up and takes care of it. Who cares? If you're that person, who cares what day it is? If anything, it makes the Sabbath day more holy to you. And this is what Jesus is getting on about. Jesus is recognizing that the call of keeping the Sabbath holy is not just about worshiping right. It's about how we participate with God. How we share in the healing that God brings into this world. But he does this in a way that is very, very upsetting. He does it in a way that interrupts and changes and, and upends and subverts the way people experience their worship. And I am, for one, always just with, I'm one of those people who just oftentimes find myself wishing Jesus was a little gentler, that he wasn't putting them to shame, but was just like a consensus builder and trying to get everybody on the same page. It's not how he rolls, though. I've never, I haven't read that story yet. I was thinking about Sunday, Sunday, March 15th, 2020. That was the first day that we locked the doors of this church. The first Sunday where we said there will not be worship in this space from the day that it was open. And we did that and we closed it down for what we said would be three weeks. I believe we were out of this building for 14 months. We'd sent out announcements to the congregation. We sent out an email. As you might imagine, when you do something that drastic, you let people know. We sent out emails and tried to let people know about it, put it on the website, all the things we could do. But Melanie and I, we came on Sunday anyway. And one of us sat at the front door and one of us sat at the back door because we knew we knew that even though all this stuff went out and we sent out all the announcements, that people have a very profound relationship to their worship, to where they encounter God and how and when they encounter God. We didn't think anyone would like come in and try to break in and worship like, you know, in some forbidden way. We just it's habit. It's a part of us. It's who we are. It's how we are formed. It's how we are defined through the many changes of this life and all of the crazy things that have happened to us. If, we can, if we're the type of people who find the rhythm of weekly worship important, of course, it's not just gonna, we're not just going to go, oh, right, I, you know, not this week. So we sat here, Melanie at the back door, me at the front door, and four different people showed up that day. Four people ready to worship. We had to turn them away. And they cried. Every one of them. And we cried. Every time. And this was still at the beginning where we didn't even know, like, how, you know, anything, right? About how to be from each other, how far, how near, how any of it. So when they were crying, was I supposed to hold them? I wasn't sure. And then Melanie and I, she was on that side of the building and I was on this side of the building and she went to the window and I went to the courtyard and we waved at each other. It seems so silly now. We can like put on a mask and give each other a hug. But we didn't know what it all meant. And all of a sudden, the way that we experience God, the place that we experience God, the family with which we experience God, all of it was thrown for a loop. All of it was changed. 
And we've been spending the last two and a half years saying, what now? And trying to live into, as best we can, the what now. God is making changes in this world. And our understanding of ourselves, not just in worship, but in our whole lives, is being changed, being transformed. Some things have been done to us, some things we have chosen to do for ourselves. Nevertheless, we are in the midst of being upset by the way God keeps making things different for us in our life together. And yet, here we find Jesus working. Here we find Jesus healing. Here we find Jesus drawing us together in community, making us one, teaching us how to belong to one another and how to live into our belongingness to God. On the Sabbath day, we keep it holy when we do what we need to do to remember our belongingness to God. What Jesus does in the story today by breaking the rules is not only helping that one woman recognize her belongingness to God, but inspiring that entire congregation into the knowledge that they are not just there to please God or do specific things so that God will do something for them. They're not just there either to give something to God or to receive from God. They are present to worship in a way that makes the whole world more filled with love and more aware of God's healing presence. We are not just witnesses of the healing. We are invited to participate in the healing with God. This time together is meant to help us see that. This time we share in worship is meant not to check a box or to follow a rule, but it is meant to help us respond to the love that is present for us, help us recognize our belonging to each other, and help inspire us to live in this world in a way that participates with God in the healing and reconciliation. This is our work. We are still in the what now. We are still very much in a place where we are trying to understand what God is doing. But I want to remind you that even while the people are upset and confused and agitated and uncertain in this story, Jesus remains present and active. God is working. And this is not a story about once upon a time. This is a story about right now. In our state of upset, and anxiety of dis-ease and disorder. Jesus is present, and he is healing. And we are being invited not only to recognize the power of God, but to join in, to join our love with God's love 
and to heal this world, however it looks and whatever the circumstances. In Jesus' name.